Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. I am Graham Jesus and Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Before we welcome on Mr. Marceau to talk all things Raw, Hell in the Cell, NXT, and AEW Dynamite, I'm going to be hearing my exclusive interview here today with Impact Star and, as he says, the TNA World Heavyweight Champion, Moose, that was conducted last week to promote Bound for Glory this coming Saturday on Fight TV, pay-per-view. He's going to be facing EC3 in an unsanctioned match. Very much looking forward to that. We had the chance to talk all things Bound for Glory, his career, Impact's growth, and so much more. And an exclusive interview, you can read it right now, on What Culture. But I'm going to be playing the audio of that interview here today as well. Before we even get to that, though, you can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, I think I said Podbean already. Uh, We're all over the place. WrestleRantRadio.com, WrestleRant.com. Check out the show, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode on Thursdays. Find me on the socials at WrestleRant, Facebook, uh, WrestleRant on Twitter. Uh, Facebook is Facebook.com backslash Graham, the GSM.Matthews, and also on YouTube, YouTube.com backslash Graham, GSM.Matthews. So without further ado, here's my exclusive interview with the Impact star and the TNA World Heavyweight Champion, as he'll tell you himself, Moose. How you doing, man? Doing great, doing great. We got Bound for Glory coming up next week, and super excited for you. Going to be facing EC3 in an unsanctioned match. You've been an Impact for over four years now. Do you still feel pressure going into these big matches on pay-per-view, or at this point, is it just more of another day at the office for you? <laughs> just another day at the office, man. And no pressure <laughs> at all. Uh, uh, I mean... Uh, I call myself a veteran of this game, and um, um, no pressure. I mean, it's, it's a, a day that I feel like myself and the whole locker room should be excited about. I know I am, and um, yeah, I can't wait for 24. And you've been, you look at the roster right now in Impact, you've had an you know influx of a lot of fresh faces, familiar faces from years past in Impact, but you've been there consistently, you, Eddie Edwards, and maybe a few other people for four years now. Have you kind of seen your role transition into kind of a locker room leader role these past four years in Impact? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, until, you gotta understand, until um, like guys like the Good Brothers and EY came in, um, we had a lot of um, young guys, and not saying EY, the good brothers, like, are old because they're not at all. By no means necessary, but um, mm-hmm. we had a roster filled with like um, guys in the mid 20s or early 20s, you know what I'm saying? So um, myself and um, Eddie Edwards, and on the girls' side, Ty of Valkyrie was, um, we, we had to take the role as a locker room leaders, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so like I said, I'm. 
we have a great roster and um, there's no pressure at all on my side coming in. I, and I can't speak for everybody else, but I just know me personally, there's no, no pressure. And you've faced a lot of people in your time at Impact over the last four years. Is there anyone that has either just come in or has been there that you haven't had the chance to work with yet that you're most excited to? Obviously, in addition to EC3 right now, but beyond EC3, is there anyone that you're most looking forward to facing at some point? Uh, I mean, we have a, 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 a bunch of guys, honestly, in the locker room that I haven't faced one-on-one. I mean, faced one-on-one in Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, the new faces with Eric Young and um, the good brothers, neither one of them I faced. Um, I don't think I've even wrestled with any of them outside of Impact Wrestling. Maybe in a tag, I think I've done something with the good brothers before. I don't, mm-hmm. I can't can't sit down and think of an actual occasion. But I mean, you got guys like Sammy Callahan, which has been a while since I've um, done anything with him, and Rich Swan. Which um, I don't think I've ever had a singles match mm-hmm. with him, and uh, so yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of guys on the roster I wouldn't mind um, doing something where we have a talented roster, and yeah. And you faced EC3 before, way back when, before we left Impact, initially a couple of years ago. So in working with them now on TV and whatnot, leading up to Bound for Glory, how have you seen this version of EC3 different than the EC3 you faced for, let's say, you know, the Impact Grand Championship three, four years ago? Um, same guy. Like, I did an interview earlier, like, and I guess everybody thinks this is a new rebranded EC3, mm-hmm. but... Honestly, like they say, you could take a you could take a kid out the hood, but you can't take a hood out the kid. So mm-hmm. just because EC3 walks around with dirty skinny jeans and a, a black hoodie and a black towel over his head doesn't make him different. He mm-hmm. just appears different, but it's still the same guy inside. And I've whooped his ass plenty of times in the past. <laughs> and Saturday, to October 24th, is not going to be anything different. When this TNA storyline all started, it's been months now. This all started back in March, April, even you know, dating back before the pandemic. EC3 was elsewhere. He wasn't even in Impact at that point. Has it been cool for you to see this storyline with the whole being the TNA World Heavyweight Champion kind of come full circle and facing one of the former faces of TNA in EC3 at Bound for Glory next Saturday? I mean, yeah. I mean, the story makes sense. Um, to for, oh, one former TNA Heavyweight Champion versus the current TNA heavyweight champion and both guys have something to prove so mm-hmm. um, yeah the story makes sense and uh, I mean why not to do it in the biggest pay-per-view in our history in, in, in our company's history bound for glory in the last six months has there been anyone that you wanted to work with not being a former like TNA legend because you worked with a bunch in the last six months as the TNA world heavyweight champion that you didn't get a chance to whether it be just due to like COVID stuff, because I know there was supposed to be like the one night only pay-per-view, for example, back in April, and that unfortunately fell through just due to the current circumstances. Were there any ideas or any plans from your side that you know of, of someone that you wanted to face or were going to face, but never got the chance to? Um, No, not that I know of, no. Mm Mm-hmm. And also going forward, too, again, you've had a lot of great opponents answer this open challenge. Everyone from former TNA World Heavyweight Champions, like, you know, you've had a Hernandez, uh, you know, answer that open challenge. You've had a Heath Slater answer that open challenge in the last couple of months. Um, who's been your favorite opponent so far leading up to Bound for Glory in 2020 alone? Um, I mean, they have all, I can't sit here and give you a favorite opponent. I will tell you somebody that did surprise me. 
um, a lot, and that was Heath Slater. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never never stepped in the ring with him, and I've heard so many things about him, good things, and um, I just expected him to be like how a lot of ex WWE guys are when it comes to a new company, and um, that's not what we got. Um, and he's gonna he's uh, he's a great talent, and I'm excited that he's with Impact Wrestling. Would you call this the, the the TNA run that we've seen you have over the last six months or so? Would you call this your favorite run so far in Impact? Because you've had a lot of them, again, dating back to 2016. You've worked with a lot of different guys. You were facing the ECW guys at one point last year. You've done a lot of different stuff. Would you call this your favorite version of Moose and Impact up to this point? Uh, uh, I hate to use superlative, um, superlatives and say this is my favorite. Yeah. Um... Uh, but I mean, it's I mean, it's definitely fun and it's different than everything I've ever done. So I can say that much. And um, and like a char- I'm just growing as a character and keep evolving. Who knows? After Saturday the 24th, I might evolve to a different character. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never know. I guess we'll find out next Saturday. Uh, who was the originator? Yeah. You know, in addition to yourself, behind bringing back that TNA World Heavyweight Championship belt because it's been years since we last saw it. So how did that whole process come about? Um, it came about, um, we were supposed to, the show that got canceled because of COVID, the yep. uh, Tampa show, there's no place like home. Yep, we were supposed yep, yep. to have a King of the Mountain match for the TNA title since it was a, a recall match going back to TNA, the TNA day. Yep. And, um, I was supposed to win that, but since COVID happened and shut the whole world down, we had to find a way to still incorporate the title mm-hmm. without having the show and um, that's how we did it and I mean I took off with it and um, that's where we are we are now and having been the TNA World Heavyweight Champion for a number of months now how long is it in your opinion until we see you challenge for the Impact World Championship and maybe you know do a unification match of some sort coming out of Bound for Glory um, I don't know I mean um, right now, I'm focused on kicking ECP's ass, and that's where all my focus is right now. Who is doing interview Monday the or Sunday the 25th? Mm-hmm. And I can answer that question and tell you it's time for me to go after the Impact World Championship. Not saying that I need to because I have I am the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. And I mean, I have the most prestigious um, championship in all of professional wrestling. So me. If I decide I want to go win the Impact World title, probably just because I'm bored or I, oh, I want to prove something to the marks out there who don't believe that my title is real, mm-hmm. and just to shut, shut them up and tell them if I won at a snap of a finger, I could win what they consider is real, which is the Impact World Championship. And from when you debuted in Impact in 2016 to now, again, it's been four, four and a half years. How much have you seen the company itself change from what it was when you came in to what it is going into Bound for Glory, which is among the most anticipated pay-per-views the, the promotions had in some time, in addition to Slammiversary, of course, in this over the summer? Uh, I mean, the company has changed a lot, so much. Um, I remember when I came to Impact Wrestling um, a little bit over four years ago, I thought it was probably the worst decision I ever made just because of uh, how bad the company was being ran, but um, mm-hmm. Anthem bought bought the company and put Scott and Don in charge, and, and um, 
things made a quick turnaround, like a 360 change, you know, and um, I think as of right now, a lot of people will say that we're probably the the top two wrestling companies out there Mm -hmm. um, right now, which is great. Mm Mm-hmm. No, yeah, most definitely. I mean, the the product from week to week is great content on Access TV. It's a lot of fun to follow. I mean, you mentioned right there but when you showed up in 2016, I think it was that Bound for Glory you faced Mike Bennett on that show. But I think there were, like, rumors yeah. going on at the time. The show may not even happen because it was, it was such a just turmoil and whatnot. Were there ever any doubts in your mind, okay, the company might go under at this point? Because, again, there's been talk about that forever. But, like, specifically around that point, it seemed like it might actually happen. Were there any worries from you at that point that it could actually come to fruition? I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, like you, you say yourself, um, that pay-per-view, going into that pay-per-view, my first ever Bound for Glory, Two days before the pay-per-view, you didn't even, we didn't even know if we was going to have a pay-per-view because wow. um, there wasn't enough money or whatsoever or whatever the causes were. But a lot of the talent was was worried that there might not even be a pay-per-view. But, mm-hmm. um, and that's how bad the company was back then. But, I mean, with, like I said, it's been a 360 turnaround with Anthem buying the company and Ed running the show and putting Scott in charge and Don um, doing his thing. And, um, I mean, it's, like I said, it's, we're, we're probably the best wrestling company out there. But just to make, for argument's sake, I'll say top two, mm-hmm. just with the quality of our wrestlers and the, the, the show, the, the stuff we put on week to week on TV and the storyline. Um, yeah, so... Like, uh, I'm happy to be a part of the company, and I'm happy that now we're considered a a competing, stable, great wrestling company, you know? Yeah. I mean, with how much the company has changed in the last four years, your character on screen has changed immensely as well. I mean, you've evolved so much in those four years to to the point where you're almost a completely different person that we see on Tuesdays and on these pay-per-views. For you... In your impact run, at what point did you really start to feel like, okay, this is it? When did it really start to click for you? And was the heel turn two years ago kind of the catalyst for what all the success that we're seeing from you now? Um, it could have been. I mean, like I tell people, um, there's a point in your career that the, the light turns on and you start to get it. Yep. And I think when I had my feud with Eddie Edwards, um, that's when the the light the light bulb inside inside my head turned on and clicked, and that's when I started to understand what professional wrestling really is and um, what being an entertainer and being a pro is all about. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy too because we see you now. You cut promos almost every single week on the show. I think an argument can absolutely been made that you've been developed into one of the best talkers in Impact today, which again is a stark contrast to like let's say five years ago in Ring of Honor when you had you know um, a manager at the time. You had a mouthpiece, and we don't see that now. You just do all your own promos, which is cool. So, what would you attribute the strides that you've made on the mic? since your Ring of Honor days, since your early Impact days, what would you attribute all the strides that you made on the mic to? Um, just hard work, man. Um, a, a lot of hard work, a lot of practice, and just that light bulb clicking inside and just knowing, just understanding professional wrestling and understanding what needs to be done and how to be a better pro. I mean, 
um, I would say it's more just a clicking than more the practice because there's guys out there who practice on talking and practice on doing moves and practice on being wrestlers, but they still don't get it until one day it finally just clicks. It might be a storyline they're in. It might be a match they're in. It might be a moment they have in the match and, and it clicks. Mm-hmm. It might be something somebody tells them and it just clicks. And um, for me, it was that um, it was that angle I had with Eddie Edwards. And for me, that's when it clicked. And I was like, oh, man, mm-hmm. maybe I need to do this. And maybe I don't need to do this. And maybe I should say this. And maybe I shouldn't say this. And maybe I should appear like this. And maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that was that moment for me. How is this match coming up with EC3 at Bound for Glory next Saturday compared to the other matches that you've had? Because you've had a, you know, you've had your handful of matches against Mike Bennett. You had the tag team match two, three years ago with Stephen Bonner. You had you faced Ken Shamrock last year. So I mean, obviously it's an unsanctioned match next Saturday. So I guess that's obviously the biggest difference. But how does this compare to the other matches you've had so far at Impact's biggest pay per view of the year? Um, this is different because this is in an undisclosed location, which mm-hmm. I don't even know where this location is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's hard. It's definitely hard to prepare for. Um, I mean, my other Bound for Glory matches, um, in the past I've known what kind of match there would be, who would it be against, where it was going to be at. So I knew how to train for that, like um, what the weather would be like, what um, – what kind of shape I need to be in, um, what's the altitude, and um, all the different scenarios that I could train for. But in this in this case, I have no idea yet where this match is going to be at until the night before when I find out. Mm-hmm. And um, by then, it's too hard. It's too late to train for it because uh, I've always I've already been training for this. I've always been I've already been training for for EC3, but, like, I mean, I'm sure he has the same issues, too, because he doesn't know um, where this location is going to be at. Maybe he does. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, I'm confident in my abilities, and I'm sure EC3 is confident in his abilities. So, I mean, um, when we see each other Saturday, October 4th, we'll see who confidence reigns supreme. 100%. 100%. Final question for you, Moose. You kind of mentioned it right there, but what can fans expect from this un- unsanctioned, undisclosed location matchup? We've seen some matches like this in Impact and other promotions you know, this past year, stuff like this, cinematic-esque matches, stuff like that. What can fans look forward to in this fight coming up next Saturday with you and EC3? Um, there will be blood. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Fans are looking forward to it. It should be awesome. The whole pay-per-view is you know, shaping up to be awesome. So thanks a lot for the time, Moose. I appreciate it. Best of luck next Saturday against EC3, my man. Uh, thank you. Thanks to Moose for the time. And as I mentioned there, people could check out Bound for Glory this Saturday, October 24th on Fight TV and on standard pay-per-view as he faces EC3 in an unsanctioned match and so much more coming up on Saturday night. But on that note... Let's welcome in Mr. Marceau now. Legend has it, Mr. Marceau, that you are still watching AEW Dark as it airs right now, two days from when it started. Seriously, that show's trash, though. So you won match number 56 or match number 57? 57. 57, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Dark was 16 matches this week on Tuesday night, over two hours long, longer than Dynamite even. Completely ridiculous. Did you tune into any of it, Mr. Marceau? Um, I did see the bunny turn on QT Marshall. 
Uh, Weren't you shocked? I, I mean, I almost spilled my popcorn. I was so shocked. <laughs> um, it was such a big deal, too. I mean, big part of the show. So, um, besides that, didn't catch any else of the show, unfortunately. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm siphoning through the footage right now. Good. Don't, don't waste the time, Mr. Marceau. Don't waste the time. There's a lot to get to here this week. Between Raw on Monday, we got a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, if you, in case you forgot, coming up this Sunday night. Uh, a lot to talk about on the Dynamite and the NXT fronts as well. Mr. Marceau, you're back after a two-week absence. How you been, brother? I'm hanging in there, GSM. I'm How was the event in. last week? Uh, it was all right, I guess. I mean, I didn't really do much. I kind of just stood there, but it was nice to get back in the office, I guess. I'm sure. I'm sure for the first time in what six, seven months, actually, probably, right? Yeah, it was. I think it was a little bit more than seven months. So I didn't have you on the show last week, but you did text me your thoughts. We already talked about this a little bit. Real quickly, what were your overall impressions of the 2020 WWE draft with who went where with Raw and SmackDown? I thought it was all right. I guess. I mean, a lot of people did move, which was kind of nice. I think in the future, you just don't have champions in. I think that's a stupid like. Oh, Raw picked Drew McIntyre. SmackDown picked, like, this person. Just like, no shit. I don't know. That was <laughs> stupid. And I thought the changing the tag titles were kind of dumb as well. I mean, th- they just need to unify the belts at this point. I mean, changing the show is not going to change anything. So, um, besides that, that was pretty good. I think Raw got some new people. SmackDown got some new people. I just, I, I think after Raw on Monday, it's just, just kind of like, what the fuck? I think the show is just an absolute nightmare right now, but... Um, for what it was, I thought it was good. A lot of people, like I said, a lot of people changed shows, and in the future, I would just not have champions in it. That's a great segue into our Raw review for Monday Night, which was not a great show overall. The season premiere of Monday Night Raw. And would you say, would you agree that SmackDown was far better last Friday night with their grand premiere, their re-debut on, not re-debut, but like the grand premiere of SmackDown on Fox last week, the season premiere? Yeah, yeah I enjoyed SmackDown way, way more than, uh, than Raw this week. Yeah, it was a very good show. Before we get to any of that, though, we're going to get to the Raw review first and then talk about Hell in the Cell on Sunday because as of right now, there's only four matches confirmed as we speak currently. I'm sure that's going to change come SmackDown on Friday, um, come Sunday. I mean, the ex- literally the exact same thing happened last year with Hell in the Cell where they added maybe four or five matches like the day of, and not even the day of, but like two hours before the show. Um, and I expect the same thing to happen this year. Anyone thinking, oh, there's only four matches, it's going to be a, an hour-long show, is completely ridiculous. That's not going to happen. They're going to have at least three or four more matches added. Uh, I'm looking on Wikipedia right now. One of the matches it says, which I'm sure is not accurate, is The Fiend versus T-Bar, that being Dominic Dijakovic. Um, that was teased on Twitter earlier today on Thursday. But that has yet to be made official, so if it is, we'll discuss it later on. But we will talk about Raw first, but one quick note that I actually forgot to mention here on the show last week. Miss All Red Everything, Eva Marie reportedly coming back to WWE per Dave Meltzer, Cultaholic, PW Insider, all confirming the news that Eva Marie, after a four-year absence, she left in 2017, but we haven't seen her on the show since 2016, is on her way back. The WWE. Now, I already kind of gave my thoughts on this elsewhere, but not here on the show. I'll start with you, Mr. Marth. So, what was your initial reaction hearing the news that Eva Marie is on her way back? Is it really needed right now? Uh, definitely not. Um, I mean, she was never that good in the ring. She was just there for her looks. Um, you said she's been gone since 2016? Yeah, she left. I think she actually took time off right after... 
or right before SummerSlam, because she was supposed to be in that six-woman tag team match at the pay-per-view that year, and then she got suspended, and then she never came back. Um, and that's when Nikki Bella returned, and then we haven't seen her since. Yeah, so hopefully since then she's been... Well, actually, hopefully not. Hopefully she's not been training in the same place that Cameron was training. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. It looks like she hadn't got any better, so... <laughs> if she's better in the ring, I, I guess. I mean, I don't think she really needed. They have plenty of people now that they don't use her before she left are way more talented and have a lot brighter futures than she does. But like I said, maybe she got the right training, but I wouldn't hold my breath on that. So what does this mean that we're getting the return of Nikki, Bree, Jojo, any other former Total Divas castmates now that we've had Cameron come back to the ring? We've had Eva Marie come back to the ring. Is Jojo next? Um, I mean, she could come back ring announcing. I mean, I know she has kids, so maybe she's, maybe she's done for now, but, uh, who knows? I just, I just don't think it's necessary now to have her. They have they have plenty of other women that aren't doing anything with. Why waste time with her? Especially coming out of the draft, too. Now, we kind of already talked about this with the Raw women's division and how they kind of have... I, I think they have a lot of potential players there. I guess we'll kind of save those thoughts for the Raw review. Um, well, we might as well just get into it right now. We'll kind of go all over the place with this Raw review right here. But Asuka and Lana, Raw women's championship match on Monday night... And, you know, Asuka beat her in two minutes, as she should have. Lana has never, ever been positioned as a credible threat in the ring. So the match was exactly what it needed to be. Anyone expecting her to go in there and have this breakout showing was kidding themselves. That was never going to happen. I actually just said in an article for Bleach Report today that I think, and a lot of people aren't going to like this, I think if anyone could go back to NXT and really benefit, it might be her. Just because... Like, I don't think she's going to have great matches with Io Shirai, but I think if anyone can benefit, like Eva Marie did five years ago when she went back to NXT for a very brief bit, and she did get better over time, then Lana could be that person. That being said, um, if she doesn't improve there, then she's just a lost cause. Or she just, there's just no, there's got to be some other role for her on the show, like being a manager for her husband, who they released. That would be better for her. But you look at the Raw women's division right now, RJ. Um, you had Asuka and Lana on Raw this week. Who the hell could possibly care? But you have that division, though. You have Shayna. You have Peyton Royce, who could be someone at some point. Lacey, Alexa, Nikki, uh, among other people, Nia Jax, who cares? Charlotte Flair will be back at some point. What are your thoughts on the current state of the Raw women's division and what more they could be doing with that division to give Asuka some more credible competition? Just develop the talent they have now. Like you said, you listed off a, a plethora of people, I mean. Alexa Bliss is a former champion. I love what she's doing right now with The Fiend. I think she could be a contender down the line. Payne Royce, I think she has a lot of potential. Um, hopefully, they don't make her and Lacey or, or an actual tag team because that would be really dumb. Um, but I think she's got a great potential as a heel. Um, not a big Lacey Evans fan, but, I mean, she's still better than Eva Marie or Lon in the ring, so she's bearable. Naomi should be coming back soon. So they have a lot of players just have to build them up to be credible threats because Oscar's baseball has just been... She beat Zelina Vega, who I like, but she's not really a big-time player. Lana. I mean, you just have to build up other people to make them mean something. I love Shayna. Nia Jax stinks. Um, <laughs> that division's a joke. They should just disband that division as well. The tag team division for the win as pointless as the men's division is. So, um, I think they have the pieces. You just kind of got to put them in the right place. I mean, I think we also neglected to mention Mandy Rose, who currently finds herself in a very forgettable tag team with Dana Brooke. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I mean, I'm sure we have. How pointless is a dude that you have Mandy Rose in a tag team coming off that big win over Sonya at SummerSlam. She was primed to kind of break out as a singles star after being in a tag team with Sonya for years on end. And now she's in a never, kind of in a dead-end tag team with Dana Brooke. 
Yeah, I mean, I think she still needs some work, some work to get better to become like a potential breakout as a single star. But like, just keep thrusting her and makeshift terrible tag teams won't help her out at all. So, I like Mandy. Like you said, after that win at at SummerSlam, we I guess we we would assume that she'd be coming out doing something better than she is now. But they have a division that's dead with the women's tag team division. They need somebody in it, so they just thrusted her in a makeshift tag team that no one cares about. So. She's another person. So, yeah, Raw, I mean, Raw does have a lot of people with a lot of untapped potential. Some people that have some good potential. You said Charlotte. Charlotte's great. Naomi's good. Um, Alexa Bliss. She's been a champion the, not in a while, so you could build her up with her new character with The Fiend. So, I think they have the talent. They just kind of have to put the pieces together, um, make some storylines with the women not based around the title that actually means something. Like, I don't care that Lana gets powerbombed or fucking Samoa dropped every week through the fucking ringside table there's nothing for me mm-hmm. uh, just just build these people up I, th- I think they have a lot of, i think they might have too many people that a lot of people probably will get lost in the shuffle um smackdown probably could have used some of them but uh yeah i mean i guess that's kind of probably one of my takeaways from the draft i feel like smackdown kind of got, sh- got shafted a little bit in the women's division um i think Payne should have went there and besides billy k i think billy k i think Payne on her own can succeed billy k eh, not so much um yeah, I don't know. I, I just think Raw has a lot of potential. They just they might have too many people. So this would also be a good time to bring up, too, and we brought this up over text a couple of days ago, and I want to get your extended thoughts on it. The reports that Becky Lynch might actually be back, and I don't know if it's reports so much as it is just a rumor. Um, the initial rumor that I heard, I think I heard, I first heard it from Alexa. She had seen it on some sort of like Instagram, one of those like ringside news, terrible, uncredible, you know, website type of things indicating that maybe this is accurate maybe this is accurate that she would be back in time for the royal rumble which is not going to happen i don't i mean she's due to have the baby in december so <laughs> i mean that would be quite the turnaround time i think more practically they're expecting her to be back for wrestlemania i don't think that's going to happen i am very skeptical that's going to happen what are your thoughts mr marceau obviously you're a fellow you know, Becky Lynch fan, you have been for a long time. You're obviously very excited to see her back at some point. Um, I, I brought this up before when she first left back in May. Um, I only don't think she'll be back for WrestleMania. I, I think there's a good chance she may not be back at all. There's a lot of, the, you know, a lot of these women go off and have kids, and a lot of them come back. I mean, Mickey James has had a kid. Lacey Evans is a mom. She didn't have a kid while she was in WWE, but, um, you know, Maurice had a kid, and she came back for a very quick stint a couple of months later, but... I, I don't know if we're ever going to get a full-time Becky Lynch ever again. Um, I, I just feel like it's going to be difficult, especially with Rollins also being on the road, unless he takes time off, which I also I think is doubtful. What do you think the future holds for Becky Lynch as far as when she might be back, if she'll be back at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about recovery from having a kid. I mean, I, I don't think it'd be that quick of a turnaround, but, I mean, I'm not a professional in that, in that field, unfortunately, so I couldn't tell you, but... Um, I mean, I did see reports that they're not planning on running sh- running house shows or traveling in 2021. So, I mean, if she was ever going to have a comeback and have a little run before she officially hangs up the boots, if that's what they do and they're planning on staying in Orlando for the next year. I mean, that's probably where they're, they'd probably either move there or they could live there and then she could have one year back and then once she's done with that and they start traveling and she could just hang up the boots for her good. But, uh, no, I mean, I think if she comes back, I would assume she's going to be on SmackDown. That's where Rollins is. Um, I, I want her back. I mean, I think the division once she left, and then Charlotte took time off, and then Ronda left. They just 
the whole Raw, Div- Raw Women's Division has been just a nightmare since she's left, so I think Shayna should have beat her at WrestleMania or got the belt before. Shayna should have been the one that got the belt besides Oscar. Like, I like Oscar a lot, but Tyron's kind of been forgettable and kind of, at this point, I'm kind of over it, so. Um, I hope she comes back. I at least have, like, a good final match with, like, either Charlotte, Sasha. They could do the, the four horse women, that match that we've been talking about for years. Just have it on the main roster. Um, but no, I mean, who knows? I'm not sure exactly. Like I said, I'm not sure exactly how the recovery for that stuff works. Yeah, I feel like if she wanted to be back, she could be by April. Again, I have no idea as far as that stuff is concerned. I'm just thinking logically here, I don't think she would want to be back. I mean, you got to consider too. She's having the kid in December, apparently. Would she be back in time for May? I mean, for for April, I guess. But, I mean, you got to start training. I mean, it's not like she just returns at WrestleMania or, like, returns the night after WrestleMania. People are talking about her having a match at WrestleMania, which would require her to get ready probably starting in January, a month after the baby is born. I just think, logically, that probably is not going to work. Let's say in a different scenario, or let's say in this scenario, actually, she somehow manages to come back for WrestleMania. She's... She's a workhorse. Maybe she will manage to get back in time. I just don't think it's necessary. And they also have enough women where, obviously, it would help if they had Becky. They don't need her. I think if they built up some other women, they don't necessarily need her around, although it does help, of course, as I mentioned. But let's say in this scenario, RJ, she's back for WrestleMania 37. Who do you put her up against? Is it someone from the current roster? Does Ronda Rousey come back and you finally do that match? Is it someone from NXT? Who would you have her face at WrestleMania? Um, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd go right back to her and Ronda. I just, I mean, it's been a year, a year removed. Ronda, Ronda never came back. Just, I mean, that was a hot feud. I mean, realistically, it should have just been her and Ronda to begin with. They had to put Charlotte in, obviously. But um, um, I don't know who you. I mean, like you said, the issue is they do have a lot of women, but they just they really haven't used anything. They haven't really used any of them or put them in a spotlight that they are a star. So. I don't know, maybe you have her go against someone on the current roster and she puts them over and kind of cement them as the next star if she's just kind of come back for a quick for a quick little run. But I, I, I think, like you said, they do have a lot of women, so it's not like she definitely is needed, but I think it would be a big boost to Raw if she did come back or SmackDown or just the company in general. No, I agree. And also in the Alexa Bliss front, you mentioned her earlier. I think I, I'm, I'm really digging what they're doing right now with her and The Fiend. Um, we got to see a little bit more of that on Monday night. I think how The Fiend and Alexa Bliss came across was great. The rest of the presentation and the Retribution stable is the exact opposite. So, this was just amazing. They do the Hurt Business and Retribution to kick off Raw. Retribution consisting of Mustafa Ali, T-Bar, Mace, and Slapjack. They do the match. It's a fine match. Nothing wrong with it. It's a good match. The Hurt Business wins. Via tap out clean. And it's not even like it's Slapjack who's fucking Shane Thorne. I mean, I guess... Ali would have been worse because he was just named the leader, but like T-Bar, Dominic Dijakovic, even more so than maybe even Ali, has more credible. And um, he was a big star in NXT to a certain extent. He just taps out clean to Bobby Lashley. And as if that wasn't enough, they follow that up with The Fiend attacking everybody and attempting to attack Ali before one of them made the save. I think it was T-Bar, and The Fiend laid him out too. So, that was Retribution in a nutshell. Later on in the night, they did reveal that Ali was the hacker over on SmackDown, which is great that they finally revealed that. I thought that was really cool. I just thought it was very questionable to do that on the same show that you have these guys get the shit kicked out of them 
and are made to look like losers. Now, I said this on Wednesday's hashtag AskGSM. I don't know if I would call this a burial per se. If you did, I wouldn't argue with you. I don't know if I would personally, but it's absolutely not not a way to book a stable that you're supposed to be taken seriously. That's supposed to be taken seriously, and they put so much effort in over the last two months. So what was your what were your thoughts, RJ, on the handling of Retribution on Monday's Raw and how they kind of came across as losers in the span of like 20 minutes? Yeah, I thought the beginning with with, uh, with Alexa and the Fiend was great. I thought them coming out, them holding hands, kind of like that sadistical look, that vibe kind of came off. I thought it came off well. The whole Retribution thing, it, the issue is I just all three people that are in this, I, guess, I mean, it's not really a few, but everyone involved in this kind of like needs wins right now to get credibility. So it's like the Hurt Business needs a win, Retribution needs a win, and Wyatt coming from from SmackDown would need wins. So it's kind of puzzling that they put them together. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have Wyatt at least I wouldn't have Wyatt attack them and beat the shit out of them. Like I said, via text, I would have maybe he comes back out and Alexa lays out Mia Yam, and then the other one just kind of go to attack Bray, and he just kind of disappears from there. But I mean, him attacking and beating them all up. I mean, just made the group look really weak, especially after they just tapped out to the art business. And like you said, I like how they finally kind of went back on the whole hacker thing and kind of finished that that storyline and actually acknowledged it. But, I mean, after they got their ass kicked, like, who would give a shit? So, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I wouldn't say they're buried. I just, I mean, it's definitely not a good start. And with WWE, they usually, if they start bad, they usually don't finish well, so... If, if they just kind of flop from here on out, I, I wouldn't be too surprised. No, not at all. Um, I mean, there is a chance they could be rebuilt. I mean, I won't say that they're completely dead in the water. I don't think we're quite at that point yet, but we're quickly approaching it. I will say that much, just based off what we've seen so far, especially on Monday. I just don't understand how, again, you debut these guys. It's not a very intriguing angle. You do the reveal. Their stock plummets because they look like morons and the, the names are terrible. And then you do the Ollie leader reveal, which I thought was kind of intriguing. I like that. And then you do what you did on Monday, and then you attempt to kind of make up for it by doing the whole SmackDown hacker thing by thinking, again, which is cool, but they think that it might make up for it, or people might just forget about the fact they were just, you know, had their asses kicked by the Fiend all by himself. It wasn't like it was the Hurt Business, who were four people. It was a one-man wrecking crew with the Fiend, and I like the Fiend, but... I don't know. I mean, I I guess we might get a, a Fiend T-Bar match on, on Sunday, and if we do, the Fiend we know is winning. So, Retribution, I feel like, is in a tough spot right here. Um, also from Raw, uh, another notable development, AJ Styles coming out with a new manager, not really a manager, but more of a bodyguard. Uh, and we've seen this on WWE TV before. I feel like, I don't know if you remember, it was like a blink and you miss the type of thing. But about 10 years ago, Tyson Kidd also came out with a bodyguard. I forgot what his name was, like Jackson Andrews or something like that. And then he was uh, fired like within two weeks. Cause it, I guess they just thought he wasn't any good or something. I don't know. They had Mark Henry beat him up and then he disappeared and then he was fired. Um, hopefully Big Jordan does not suffer the same fate. I can't pronounce his last name, so I won't even attempt to. It begins with an L. Uh, it begins with an O. Um, but they were calling him Big Jordan on Raw, or AJ was, or whatever, so that's what I'm going to call him. But he came out with him. It was reported over the weekend that would be the case, and that's exactly what happened on Monday's Raw. So AJ's never really had a heater like that before. He's had Gallows and Anderson, who were a much better fit in that spot. This just kind of feels random. And I think I might be more open to it. I don't hate the idea, but I think it's a weird 
decision to do it on Monday without actually explaining it. And AJ cut a promo beforehand without ever addressing what the relationship was there. And I would give them the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, maybe they'll get to it or maybe they're waiting for the big reveal. It's very clear based off what we've seen with Retribution and with, you know, the Eric Rowan Cage storyline that they obviously do not long-term book a lot of this stuff. And this being no exception, they probably have no idea why Big Jordan is with AJ Styles. Uh, are you a fan of the move, RJ? Are you not a fan of the move? What does bring Jordan? What, what does Big Jordan, in your opinion, bring to the table for the phenomenal one? Um, I think it's just a nice bodyguard. But like I said, he just—they didn't have any acknowledgement of why he's with him, what their relationship is. He just kind of came out with them. Um, yeah, I do remember that. Like you said, I think his name was Jackson Andrew. I knew it was Jackson. His first name was definitely Jackson. Can't remember his last name was, but that big, big goof that was with. Uh, <laughs> okay, you so you do remember? Okay, cool. I do remember him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's different. I mean, AJ could, I feel like he's good as a heel and like with a big heavy could help him. I, I, I think this is more of a case of they had this guy on raw underground. That's no longer, I guess. So what are they going to do with him now? I, I mean, I, I would, I don't, I've never seen the guy wrestle. So I could only imagine how clunky he is in the ring. I, I don't <laughs> think he'd be, uh, that good. So maybe they're just going to put him with AJ just kind of. I don't even know. Like, what's the point of even having him with AJ if he's not going to wrestle? I mean, maybe he will, but I don't know. I just, I would have kept him down at NXT. Um, I just don't think he's really needed. It's like you said, it's just feels completely random. The so Gallows Anderson, obviously, there's a connection there, and they fit with AJ. This guy, just like I said, just complete random. And Gallows, yeah, I mean, and Gallows is a big guy, too. It's not like he's small. So he kind of did serve that role to a certain extent. This guy is huge. But it's funny that you mentioned what you did about him being bad in the ring and whatever, about him not, you know, kind of surpassing NXT, kind of, you know, completely bypassing it. The report from Dave Meltzer, and obviously you take everything that you hear and read from this guy with a grain of salt, but he might be spot on in this case. He speculated that, or it may be reported, I don't remember exactly which, but there was a report that came out from him that indicated that the only reason they called him up was because he is pretty bad in the ring. And I, they felt like putting him in NXT would expose his weaknesses. Now, that sounds like an incredibly dumb thing to, you know, say. Or an incredibly dumb thing to do. Like, alright, he's not going to get any better on Raw. Like, if he's going to be exposed for being bad in NXT, what's going to happen on Raw when there's like 3 million people watching? Or, I mean, there's like a million and a half now. But, like, same difference. I mean, it's kind of the same thing where it's like, you have even more people watching, so wouldn't it be worse? Um, but, I, you know, I, I think a lot of people said the same thing about Braun Strowman. And he ended up coming into his own. I thought he was terrible from the get-go. And he ended up being, you know, he's in a position now where he's a former multi-time champion. And he's actually pretty damn good. I don't know if Big Jordan's going to be the next Braun Strowman. I wouldn't expect him to. But you never know. I think he might exceed expectations. So we'll see where this goes. Um, I've seen people say this could help AJ's case when it comes time to him feud with Drew McIntyre. I don't think it's a necessary addition to the act. And quite honestly, I don't know about you, Mr. Marceau. I know you don't watch Talking Smack and stuff, uh, you know, recently. I would rather see AJ with Joseph Park. He'd been making a lot of WWE TV appearances. I would rather see him with him as opposed to Big Jordan, personally. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just... Well, I'll let it go. I'll ride with this with this big goof, but we'll see where it goes. I think, <laughs> like you said, like if he was an NXT, he'd probably be on his own. So, like, he's if he's clunky and shitty in the ring, you'll definitely notice it more. They could just have him like team with AJ or get involved and just do like simple big man shit, and maybe that'll help him out. And then down the line, he get. But I mean, I don't blame the guy for being clunky. I mean, he's seven foot three. I mean, holy smokes, probably can't even tie his shoes. So that um, <laughs> just, I mean, it's not his fault. I mean, it just gets big-ass person, so 
We'll see, but I, I'm not holding my breath for this guy to be uh, the next Braun Strowman or anything like that. Well, speaking of Strowman, we'll get to this final note from Raw here, just because there wasn't it wasn't a very good show, and I don't want to go on a match my match breakdown. We will get to the Hell in the Cell predictions, and I say predictions, but there's only more, four matches made official right now. Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee on Raw. They were hyping this up for a week out. They had that big brawl last week, which was actually kind of entertaining. This was a complete just letdown. This was not even. I mean, it was a match, but it wasn't really a match. Keith Lee's first loss on Raw, uh, first pinfall loss. One on one, not a very good match. I thought the finish was weak. Yeah, Keith Lee stood tall afterward, but like, I don't know. I just didn't really feel like this did anyone any favors. And I understand you don't want to have Braun lose too often. I know you can't have Braun lose all the time. The guy hasn't won many matches. I feel like. I mean, he hasn't also lost a lot either. But he lost to Roman on Friday. He lost the championship at SummerSlam. He got pinned to Payback. You know that you got to start protecting the guy. I realize that, but. I feel like it doesn't do Keith Lee any favors. He's already been on the main roster for two months now and really does not feel special at all. Yeah, I like Braun a lot. I just, I think, like you said earlier, he's pretty, I don't think, I wouldn't say he's a limit in the ring. I just, I don't know, I just feel like he has lost a lot lately, so it's just, like, hard to take him seriously. Um, so a win would have would help him, obviously, because he could use him. But, I don't know, I, I like Braun a lot. I just think they've dropped the ball with him at this point. I just, not that I don't care. I just I would I'd rather see Keith be Keith winning and getting over and getting more attention than him at this point. Yeah, I agree. We'll see where this goes. Obviously, the feud will continue. I just don't have high hopes personally. So on that note, we'll get to Hell in the Cell on Sunday. We'll talk about this quickly before getting to Dynamite and NXT. Uh, there's only four matches made official. Like I said, I, I think I saw the Fiend and uh, T Bar added to the card here on Wikipedia, which I don't think is accurate unless unless it was just added in the last 20 minutes. Uh, but we only have three championship matches, all of which are inside Hell in the Cell, and then Jeff Hardy versus Elias. For matches I expect to be added, I would think the Street Profits versus Ziggler and Root is going to be added. Maybe Sami Zayn and Otis for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, any other matches you think might be added, RJ, before Sunday? That makes sense. I hope not. I, I, hope not. I want to short and sweet. I think that's too much too much to ask for. I don't think we're getting a four match card, but I guess we'll see. It, it's different during pandemic, you know, during the pandemic era. We've got a lot of short shows, and I appreciate that. But I feel like even Money in the Bank was at least five matches, so we'll see. Um, we we might get Bray Wyatt versus T Bar. I don't think that's made official yet, but if we do get that match, do you expect the Fiend to go over? Obviously, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just I like I like Wyatt, but just with the character that he is now, he just like does. He's like basically unstoppable unless he runs on the Goldberg. Um, so I mean, and I, I mean, I don't know. So like I said, the Fiend needs wins and Retribution needs wins. I'd rather Wyatt go over. I mean, if they do face, I, I think Wyatt will kill the guy. Um, but who knows? Maybe they have like a DQ finish just to do a shitty WWE finish. But I mean, I, I, if 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 Wyatt's losing the fucking T bar clean as a sheet, there's a problem. Hey, we got the Fiend. We got the Fiend and Rollins last year, in one of the worst matches I've ever seen. So he doesn't have a great track record at Hell in the Cell. I don't know if the Fiend is going to walk out of this thing victorious, but in all seriousness, obviously he will. Jeff Hardy, Elias. I could see this one going either way. Um, I think the feud will continue. I think Jeff Hardy wins, though. I think Jeff Hardy, Elias just came back, so obviously it would make more sense for him to win. And Jeff Hardy could lose a million matches and still be beloved. But I don't know. I feel like he's coming off the triple threat loss last week. He lost to Lars Sullivan on SmackDown. 
I could see him winning here and then Elias attacking him afterward to keep the feud alive. So I think Jeff Hardy winning is my pick. Um, yeah, I'll go with Jeff Hardy as well. I, I think, like you, you stated, he's a veteran at this point, and he's so established. Like he, he could lose a hundred matches and it wouldn't change anything. So, I, th- I, I like Elias. I just, I think he's just very limited in what they've done with him. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be a world champion anyway down the line. But I think if they took him a little bit more seriously and actually put more work in him, I think he could be a little bit bigger for the company than he is at this point. I mean, I just think he's. Every time it seems like he's getting a little push, he's either like, I don't know if he's been getting hurt or what's going on. I just feel like he's been up and down, up and down so often that um, win here and keeping his momentum, he could be a serious contender for the uh, United States Championship. Yeah, I mean, he's had his you know fair share of momentum. Getting hurt has not helped. He's gotten hurt quite a bit in the last year. Um, he missed some time. At, he got hurt during the King of the Ring tournament last year. He got hurt very briefly, I think. Uh, maybe earlier on in the spring. I remember he was hurt at least one other time that he had to miss a pay-per-view for, like a, a couple shows for us. And then maybe that was a kayfabe injury. But obviously he got hurt again in May and has been out was out for five months. So doesn't have a lot of luck in that respect. Um, but yeah, I would like to see him get more of a push. Hopefully he can kind of switch things up. He's entertaining, but he needs to get some momentum going. And maybe a win here could help that, but I still think Jeff Hardy's going to win. So just like that, we're already at the main event matches because there's no other matches made official as of right now. But we'll start with Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton. Hell in the Cell match. RJ, this is a match we've spoken extensively about in regards to how it's lost so much juice, this feud, to the point where I don't know if I don't want to say I don't want to say I don't care, but like I don't yep. really care. I don't. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, like we, we had the Clash of Champions match, Drew won. We had the SummerSlam match, which I thought was great. I thought the SummerSlam match was great. The Clash of Champions one was good. I didn't love it. I thought it was kind of now, nah, people seem to like it more than I did. I didn't love it. Although the interference made sense. I just feel like Orton has lost twice now. Yeah, he pinned Drew on Raw, the first loss that McIntyre's endured all year. It's a big deal, but I just, I'm ready to move on from this. I'm ready to move on. They should have moved on already. I feel like it's a lose-lose because Orton, if he wins, all of his momentum is over the summer. He has lost three pay-per-view matches so far and uh, to Keith Lee and McIntyre, respectively, in the last couple of months. He has lost so much momentum. We always talk about how you got to strike while the iron is hot. They should have struck while the iron was hot at SummerSlam. But my thing was, was I don't think Drew should have ever lost the championship, and he didn't. Now, the problem is, if you have Drew win here, then what was the point of doing another match? You know what I mean? I feel like it's a lose-lose either way. I'm going to pick Orton to win just because why else would they do a third match? I feel like this isn't a... Batista Triple H scenario where they're doing three matches to put over McIntyre huge. Maybe, but... I don't know. The feud just hasn't had a lot of luster lately, so I'm going to go Orton, although I do want McIntyre to win because I feel like there's not a lot of people for Orton to face right now. Keith Lee's damaged. Riddle needs to be built back up. He just lost to AJ on Monday. Um, Jeff Hardy is in the middle of a, an Elias feud right now. I feel like with McIntyre, you have McIntyre Fiend, McIntyre Strowman at some point, McIntyre AJ, McIntyre um, Sheamus, obviously, is now on Raw. So, I don't know. I feel like McIntyre winning would be the better option, but I just feel like Orton is the more likely of the two, just because why Why else would they be doing this match? Yeah, I don't know. I, I we, talk, we talked about this match so many times. I just, like you said, 
this match for me is just like it's when you're at the end of like a juice box and you have the straw in it and you're sucking on it and you just get like the bubbles. <laughs> like, that's how I feel with this feud. Like you're just sucking on the straw and there's nothing's left. Yep. I just at this point I don't care. Randy was fucking white hot over the summer. Didn't put the title on him. At this point, it's just like I don't care if like I don't if he wins, I just could give two shits less. The guy's lost clean two. Um, I, I mean, I just. <sighs> I just think if you're going to put the title on Randy, it was at SummerSlam at this point. It's come and gone. Move on. Drew wins. I just if Randy wins, I honestly could give two shits. That's my. That's kind of where I'm going. It's just like I don't. If Randy wins, I really don't care because he was so hot going into this feud, and now he's couldn't be. He couldn't be more cold at this point. And I guess if he wins, they, like you said, there's just like so. What if he wins? They're going to have another match with Drew. Like oh, I get a rematch. Like it just. This, this feud just needs to end. I just want Drew to win. Move on. Who would you like to see face Drew next, coming out of Hell in a Cell? Uh, probably AJ, I'd say. I, I think I would save AJ. I want, to, I want to see Sheamus, but then again, he just lost to Kofi on Raw, so maybe not Sheamus right now, but I don't know. Yeah, AJ would make sense, though. AJ would make sense. I The Fiend is not a feud that lights the world on fire for me, but, I mean, I, I don't want to see Drew lose it to The Fiend, probably. So We'll see, but I think AJ would be cool at some point. Uh, we get to, speaking of champions, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, I quit Hell in a Cell match for the Universal Championship. A lot of I quit matches right now between this one. We got Moxley and uh, Kingston. I feel like we just had another I quit match recently. I don't know where, but I, fe- I felt like I just saw one recently. But nonetheless, Roman's got to win here, obviously. The feud's been great. Uh, it's kind of cooled off a little bit since Clash of Champions, but it's still been a very good feud. Jey Uso's held his own. I have no desire to see the Usos split up. I know that's been a big question. Oh, can you see them as single stars? No, I can't. No, I think this is the peak. I feel like after this feud is over, people will realize, okay, I don't really... Like, I feel like it's brought the best out of Jay, and no disrespect to him, but I feel like aside from maybe a one-off Intercontinental title run, there's just not a lot of... I just I don't see a, a long future for Jay on his own without Jimmy, and vice versa. Same exact thing for Jimmy. I just feel like they're much better off as a tag team, especially at a time where WWE needs more tag teams. So anyway, I got Roman winning here. So what's your prediction, RJ? And also with Jay, does he have success on his own post the Roman Reigns feud? Um, I mean, I think like, I think you put it perfectly. I think I mean Roman wins here. I think that's kind of a guarantee. Um, I, I like what Jay's been doing, but like you said, uh, like uh, maybe a one-off IC title run or. A little singles run, but besides that, I think they're just better together. It's just one of those things. Just, I think they're good wrestlers, but they just get the best out of each other. And t- I think they're probably one of the best tag teams in the world. So splitting them up and sing- and they're not obviously um, like they've always been a tag team. It's not like they've really had much success as a singles um, on their own. So mm-hmm. I, I, once they come back, I'd put them back together. But maybe like you said, a one-off. Uh, IC title run would be nice, but besides that, I don't really have any interest in seeing uh, a big push for Jey Uso. Same question I asked about Drew McIntyre applies to Roman Reigns. Who would you like to see him you know, face next coming out of Hell in the Cell? There's a few people in the SmackDown brand. I've mentioned Rey Mysterio before. I know you would love to see that. Um, Big E's an option at some point. You have Daniel Bryan eventually. Who would you like to see face Roman Reigns down the road? Or coming out, I'm sorry, coming out of uh, Hell in the Cell. Oh, um, that's interesting. I, 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 you, you say Big E. I think Big E save him um, down the line. Uh, Daniel Bryan would be nice. Um, Ray, I think, is still hurt, but he would still be another good uh, opponent for him. Um, I mean, you could technically not. It's not the same, but similar story. I mean, 
Not that I really want to see that, but they could put maybe put Dominic in there with Roman, and then Ray Ray kind of comes to the savior again, kind of like with Lesnar. So we'll see, but um, I'm not sure what you do next. Kind of, we're probably going to get like the whole fucking brand wars going in the Survivor Series. So maybe they can build someone up in that time to face Roman. But I, I would save um, Big E to either Mania. Uh, it sounds like WrestleMania is probably what, what I would do with him. Mm-hmm. We're going to push him as a single, push him to the moon at this point. Um, so I would hold off on Big E, but Brian and, and Ray or Dominic could be a nice little nice little feud in the uh, meantime. And we get to what I think is going to be the main event, SmackDown Women's Championship, Hell in the Cell match, Sasha Banks, Bailey. Now, Sasha Banks has already lost Hell in the Cell matches to Charlotte, which we were there for, 1, 2, 3, see at GSM, uh, flashbacks to Hell in the Cell 2016, and then also 2019 when she lost to Becky Lynch. Now... This is a weird one, because I would like to see the feud continue. It's barely just begun. They've barely scratched the surface as far as what they can do as rivals, I feel. But then again, do you have Sasha lose three Hell in a Cell matches? Do you have Bailey lose now? She's been champion for over a year now. What do you do, Mr. Marceau? Do you put this match even on last? Well, what do you do with the SmackDown Women's Championship match? This is a tough one. I mean, the, the feud itself, like... It's, it, like... Not that it, I don't know. Just I don't like how the first match of this this big feud that we've been waiting for for so long is gonna be Hell in a Cell. I just I don't know. I just I would have just done something, maybe got to Hell in a Cell down the line to like do a big blow off. Yep. But I just I just hate the whole it's fucking October so we're gonna do fucking Hell in a Cell. But mm-hmm. I mean I don't know. Like like you said, do you have Sasha win here and then they just continue the feud or they like. I, I think they should have saved this. I think they rushed it way too quickly. Um, they could have milked a lot more. T- they could have milked a couple, couple more months out of this before they even got like actually in the ring together. Because I mean, Bailey beat the shit out of her, but she came back like two weeks later. So <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm assuming I would have Sasha win here if, she, if they're going to have her win. I mean, like you said, if she lost. If I mean, I guess she could lose in Hell in a Cell with some shenanigans, and she could have a, a championship match down the line somewhere, but. I would have it. I would have Sasha win here. Maybe someone helps Bailey win. Not sure exactly who that could be, but someone could help her. And then they could write off Sasha for a little bit if they like, kill her. And then they could do it down the line again. But I don't know. I like Bailey a lot as a, as a champion. I mean, at first, I kind of didn't like her as a heel, but mm-hmm. I think she's morphed into that role very well. Um, I, I, I'll I go with Sasha, but I, I think they should have waited, waited down the line to do this match. I think they kind of rushed it. You know, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I, I was. It, it's a weird thing, is they want Bailey to win to keep the feud alive and to drag this out. But like you said, Survivor Series is usually brand warfare. This is the main event of the pay per view. This would be the time to do it, I guess. Um, she's in the Mandalorian coming up next weekend. I think Sasha's gonna win. She'll finally get the moment that she probably should have gotten four years ago in Boston when we went. And then it's like, oh yeah, of course Sasha's gonna win. It's it's her hometown. Why wouldn't she? And then she loses. So. Um, hopefully it's not the same thing. I mean, again, it's, it's weird because they want Sasha to win it at some point. Should it be here? No, but I also don't want her to lose inside Hell in the Cell again. It makes her record look terrible. She's also like 0-5 at WrestleMania. She's, she does not have a lot of luck at uh, Hell in the Cell <laughs> or at WrestleMania. So anyway, I think uh, if I had to pick, I'm going to go Sasha here for this matchup. I think Sasha's walking out the new SmackDown Women's Champion. So real quickly, too, I forgot about this. Um, not only do we have Hell in a Cell on Sunday, but we have NXT Halloween Havoc 
coming up next Wednesday, which I'm very excited for, wearing my Halloween Havoc shirt as we speak. Um, I know we already spoke about Halloween Havoc coming back a couple of weeks ago. I was there when the announcement was made, Mr. Marceau. I was watching TakeOver with you when they announced it was coming back on October 28th. So we have four matches on tap as of right now for NXT Halloween Havoc. We have Dexter Loomis, uh, starting with this one, Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes in a House of Terror match. Now, it's not House of Horrors, thankfully. I don't know what a House of Terror match is, but I trust NXT will do right by it, hopefully. Um, who wins this one, Mr. Marceau? It seems to fit the the vibe of Dexter Loomis with it being Halloween that he's probably going to win here. But Cameron Grimes, I feel like, can never really win whenever it matters most. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Like you said, it's not House of Horrors, but... I mean, this whole house—it's gonna be. I'm assuming it's gonna be cinematic. I'm assuming, um, but yeah, like you said, it, it feeds into the Dexter Loomis kind of like psycho gimmick. But I actually really like Cameron Grimes a lot, and I think they've been pushing stop push start starting stop pushed him so many times that it's just like he needs a big win. So I mean, he could win here. I he's a lot younger than Loomis. I think he has a lot more potential. So I'd go with Grimes here. Rhea Ripley, Raquel Gonzalez, first time ever one-on-one. Who wins, Mr. Marceau? Rhea. Before hopefully getting a title shot at some point, I would assume? Yeah, if she beats Raquel here, I would give her the next title shot. We then also have the NXT Women's Championship defended. So these are two rematches from TakeOver 31, which makes me think at least one of these titles are changing hands because why else would you do rematches? I mean, the the matches themselves were great the first time. Um, the stipulation here now is that we have the wheel to make a deal or whatever the hell it's called from WCW. So both matches will have a stipulation. I'm not even going to ask you what the stipulation you think is going to be because I don't even know what the stipulations are. I don't think they're going to do like a buried alive match. I mean, they would have to have the whole grave set up and and they're going to do that in Capital Wrestling Center. I don't think so. So it'll probably be something, you know, tame, like a trick or street fight, which I always enjoy personally. Um, selfishly speaking, I enjoy those. So we got Candice and um, Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship, as well as um, Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest for the NXT North American Championship. Do either titles change hands next Wednesday, or both, Mr. Marceau? Um, that's a good question. I, I think Io will retain. I'm not as confident with... With with Finn, I, I mean Finn's. I mean he's coming off an injury. They could easily have Johnny win here. Um, I mean I don't know how long it takes to come back from a broken job, but I, I would say it's probably longer than it's going to be uh, next week. So I'll say Io wins for the women, and then Johnny wins for the men. So for NXT this week, we'll talk about this briefly before we get to Dynamite. Um, also from last night, but some news and notes coming out of the show. Uh, Austin Theory lost to Bronson Reed twice. On his own volition, he, he challenged him to a rematch immediately after losing to him and lost that too, which was weird. And then he walked out of the arena saying that he quit. So what do you think is next for Austin Theory? Does he get recruited by Johnny Gargano? Does he go back to the main roster? What do you, what do, you do with Austin Theory? I don't know. He has a ton of potential, though. I know that. I mean, he has the look of a star. He's great in the ring. Um, I think this is kind of like he's just fed up. Like you said, maybe he gets aligned with someone to kind of get back on track. Maybe he goes on SmackDown with Rollins. Um, who knows? I mean, I, I think he has a ton of potential. I think he's a star in the making. I mean, he's still young. I think he's great in the ring. Um, I mean, I don't think he actually quit. So, um, I, maybe they have him go on the main, back to the main roster and form up with Rollins since it doesn't really seem like he has anyone with him now. And maybe he comes a disciple again, but, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I would definitely keep him on TV, though. I think he has a ton of potential, and he's a star in the making. I mean, they're clearly telling a story with him, so I'm not mad at the fact that he's lost a lot. He's lost to everyone that he's faced in the last month and a half, from you know Adam Cole to Johnny Gargano. We lost to Bronson Reed a few times, Damian Priest. But the thing is, dude, he's had great matches with every single one of these people. Kushida, he's worked well with everybody. He's on a roll right now, so... Uh, again, he's lost a lot, but he's also had a lot of very good matches. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. And maybe he does go back to SmackDown. He feuds with Murphy because Rollins might be gone soon. Uh, if he might be taking time off for his paternity leave, we'll see. But uh, I'm interested to see where he goes from here because I've been really enjoying the work that I've seen from him so far in NXT. The other big note from the show last night was that the NXT Tag Team titles changed hands with Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch beating Brazongo. Now, that's odd, because the Undisputed Era was supposed to get the title shot, they got attacked backstage, Lorcan and Burch fill in, we come to find out that it was all part of one massive ruse, as they did a low blow to, uh, I forgot who it was, Fandango, Breeze, whatever, to pick up the win, they captured the Tag Team titles, only to reveal that they were helped out by none other than Pat McAfee, who we have not seen since NXT TakeOver... I was going to say 31, but it was take over 30 when he lost to Adam Cole. Um, now, this was speculated when we saw Adam Cole attacked by Ridge Holland at TakeOver. Clearly, I don't, I mean, obviously Holland was paid off by McAfee, but I don't know, maybe McAfee, or I'm sorry, Holland went down to the injury, and then he kind of instituted Lorcan and Birch in that spot, because how much, it's not like it's one giant stable, because it was literally Orny Lorcan who injured <laughs> Ridge Holland, so I'm not exactly sure how you would explain that. But I actually really like the ending of the show, um, just because we've never seen Lorcan and Burch as tag team champions before. I think Mackenzie Mitchell even brought up how they're always the bridesmaids, but never the brides. They finally win the tag team titles um, as heels now, so it kind of switches up their characters. And then we have Pat McAfee back on the show, and as I told you two months ago, I was thoroughly impressed with the performance that he had at TakeOver. So I honestly really, really liked the ending of the show all around. No, I, I really liked it. Like you said, I, I thought it was, I was like, wonder, I was like, who the hell's attacking them? Obviously, it wasn't Rich Holland because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, the McAfee reveal was great. I thought it was, I mean, seeing Lorcan and Birch, I mean, I like them. I think they're a good old team, but they kind of needed a character change at this point. They're like kind of like, that's stepping stone baby face team. So getting them getting a big win here, um, aligning with Pac McAfee, who you know they're going to do right by, and he'll be in a prominent position. So it's good for them. Um, they get pushed up the card a little bit. Um, but no, I, I liked it. I, I wonder what's going to go from here. But it definitely ended NXT on a, on a good note for me, at least. Now, I don't know if you do a war games. I don't know if they can do war games. I mean, obviously not in the Capitol Wrestling Center. Um, I don't know if you do it in the Thunderdome or do it at all. I'm not sure. I, I was thinking they're building this up to do a War Games match. Again with Undisputed Era for the fourth year. And then having a fourth member. Do you think Austin Theory could join this group? Do you think they might soon have a fourth member in this faction? Um, It's possible. I just don't know who exactly you'd put in there. Like you said, possibly Austin Theory. Not sure how long Ridge Holland's out for. But, uh, no, maybe that. Maybe Theory quits and then he aligns with, with McAfee and... Uh, Birch and Lorcan. I'm not sure, but uh, no, I think that's what's going to. I, I mean, I don't really love the fact that they just do war games every year. Oh, it's November, we're gonna do war games again. Like that's kind of like the old Hell in a Cell concept mm-hmm. that I don't like. But um, we'll see. I just I I want them to start making those matches mean something and not just doing it every year. So I hopefully they, they can expand it out maybe uh, maybe a year or two and just not always have it. But 
it seems like that's probably the direction they're going to go in, unfortunately. Maybe, but like I said, I don't know. It might be a blessing in disguise just because it doesn't look like they can do it. Um, I don't even know what arena they would do it in. I mean, I know that's no- November, but it's coming up in a month, so it's coming up pretty quickly. I don't know. I feel like if they were going to do it, they would have announced it by now. Then again, they take over 31, they announced like fucking two weeks in advance. So who? I, I have no clue. Um, I guess we'll see, but I don't know. That That's one idea. But yeah, I, I think they might be holding off on that. But either way, I really like the ending. I think it kind of helps everybody. Uh, we get more Cole McAfee, which is cool. Um, Undisputed Era, I mean, this has to cement every one of the members as baby faces, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll see. I just... I, I like my disputed era a lot. I like what they're going, but um, I feel like there's like some kind of tomfoolery that's going on, and they'll split the group up. Unfortunately. Yeah, we'll see. I could see. I, I was thinking, oh god, please don't be Kyle O'Reilly. Please don't be Kyle O'Reilly. And thankfully, I don't think it is, nor was it last night. Um, that would have been really dumb. But uh, anyway, I like the ending a lot. So we get to dynamite from Wednesday real quickly as we wind down here. Uh, we had the beginning of the AEW World Championship Number One Contenders Tournament with the two finalists facing off at full gear with a shot at the AEW world title hanging in the balance for, you know, later down the road, next pay-per-view, whatever. So we had the first four matches to kick off the show, and uh, that was the entire first hour of the show. A little over, it went a little past 9 o'clock Eastern, which was cool. So the entire first hour was completely devoted to this tournament. We had Adam Page knocking off Colt Cabana. We had Kenny Omega completely squashing Sonny Kiss. We had Wardlow beating Jungle Boy, and then we had... What was the other match? Um, Penta and oh, Phoenix. How could I forget? That was the best match of the bunch. So, yeah, we had Penta beating Phoenix to advance. I'm sorry, we had Phoenix beating Penta to advance. Uh, great match. Great match. And I thought overall this was really well done. I really like the layout. It makes absolutely no sense why any one of these people would be getting a potential title shot when none of them have really done anything to earn it. Maybe Paige and Omega, who I think are in the top five. I have no fucking clue. The rest of them, like... Jungle Boy, and especially Cole Cabana, and it was supposed to be Joey Janela, um, but Joey got, you know, replaced by Sonny Kiss due to the whole COVID thing. He doesn't have COVID, but he was in contact with someone who did have it. So, I, I, I loved what they did with Omega. I thought that was one of the best parts of this entire first round of the tournament. Um, he came across like a complete douche with the entrance, the drawn-out entrance, the cleaner teases, um, winning the match in 30 seconds, kind of being like, oh, you know, it's okay, kid. Like, good job anyway. Like, afterward, I absolutely loved it. I think this Kenny Omega, if this is the heel Omega that we get going forward, then I am completely sold on it. Yeah, I, I like these matches. I, I actually really liked Wardlow and Jungle Boy. I, I thought, I, I thought I really liked that match. Probably, I think Penta and Phoenix was more, like, flashy, but I actually really liked Wardlow and uh, Jungle Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of those matches, like, I didn't really care who won. I thought Wardlow should have won, which he did. Um, but I also thought Jungle Boy could have got a big win as well. So um, I like how, like you said, it was the first hour of the show, kind of like make it a little important have this tournament. Most of these people, like you said, don't belong in it. I mean, besides Paige and Omega, who are coming off like the, this long title reign, no one else has done anything that deserved to be in this tournament. Like I love it. I love Wardlow. Love Jungle Boy, but. I mean, they haven't done anything to get in the tournament. Like, why the fuck is an MGF in it? My biggest question. But uh, the good start, I I, I didn't really... I, the, the, you, you said he liked the Omega thing. It's just like, oh, he was pro wrestling. Like, who gives a shit? Like, Dave Meltzer sucks him off. Like, no, no, that's what, the point, I, though, I, mean, I think. Yeah, but I don't know. I just thought it was stupid. But And I just... I understand, like, yeah, he should be killing Sonny Kiss. But just, like, 
Sonny Kissel's took Cody to the limit like a month ago. So it's just like, it's back to like the whole Ridge Holland concept of him losing to Orange Cassidy and then the next month he's like beating up like the number one heels in the company. It just mm-hmm. makes a little no sense, but I get I get where they're going with it. You want Omega to look, look obviously like a big deal because clearly he's turning heel. Um, but no, I, I thought all the matches were good. Penta winning was, I love the Canadian Destroyer at the end. That was, that was a great touch and he actually won with it. Holy smokes. Mexican Destroyer. Um, <laughs> um, that was no, great though. I, I thought that was great. The Colt Cabana, I would say that match probably the weakest in my opinion, but I thought they were all pretty good. All the right people I thought won, um, so you can't complain. No, I thought Paige and Cabana was good. I mean, the outcome was obviously never in doubt. I mean, the weakest in my opinion would be Omega and Kiss, just because it wasn't really a match, but oh, um, yeah. obviously. But, you know, Cabana and Paige had a good match too. I enjoyed the overall presentation of it. All the right people won. So next week we're getting Paige and Cabana. I'm sorry, we already had Paige and Cabana. Paige and Wardlow. <laughs> And then, oh, Omega and Ray Phoenix. Assuming Phoenix can go, because apparently he was hurt last night, which sucks. So hopefully we still get that match. Uh, we've had it, I, I think they did it on Dynamite about a year ago. They did it for, like, the AAA title, I think, either on Dynamite or Dark. I don't remember, but they've had matches before. They had a match in Northeast Wrestling, too. So I'm looking forward to that one. That should be a barn burner. Um, yeah, no, I thought that was great. So a lot of people enjoyed the overall presentation of the title tourney. The steak dinner, not so much. So we won't spend a lot of time on this because there really isn't a lot to say about it. It's either you really liked it or you really hated it. I I fall more in the former category. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to sit here and say, Mr. Marceau, if you don't fucking like this, then you're not a fucking wrestling fan. Get the fuck out of here, blah, blah, blah. Like, I see so much of that shit all the time with WWE and AEW. Like, who cares? Who cares? I mean, I, I will sometimes make the argument, how the hell could no one enjoy this or how the hell could you enjoy this? But this, I could. it's more a matter of taste. I'm not even a big musical fan, but I thought it was something different. I thought it was... I en- I enjoyed it for what it was. Mr. Marceau, not so much. Give me your thoughts on the steak dinner, RJ. I just thought it was stupid. I mean, <laughs> I understand. Like, I thought, like, oh, it's funny. Like, look, they're doing comedy. I just... I don't watch wrestling for comedy. Mm-hmm. So, once I saw this, I'm just like, I don't give a shit. I just... And I, I want MGF to be a big deal and, like, to keep teasing, like, this either alliance or some dissension between Jericho and MGF. But, like, just do it at this point. Like, he was like this big, not I want to say a badass heel, but he was like a douchey heel. Now he's fucking doing fucking slap ass in the back with Jericho. <laughs> it's just something like that. Like they've done a whole 180 on his character, which I mean, him as just like that dick heel is just perfect. And now like did the whole stupid campaign thing I didn't like. And then now he's fucking playing grab ass with Jericho. I mean, I, <laughs> I, mean, I want him to go back to the serious MGF, a dick. Making people hate him. I just, whatever he's doing, less, since beating Cody, it's been a fucking plummet downhill for his, for his, for his AEW career. I mean, we thought after that he'd get maybe a big title run. Didn't happen. Wasn't in the TNT title picture at all. It wasn't even in the fucking tournament. He's not in this world title tournament. I mean, lost Moxley, but he cheated to beat him. We never got a rematch. We thought he'd get a rematch. Never happened. So, I mean, he just keeps getting to this point that they just don't really even know what to do with him, or they're just like, I don't know. He's just never on TV, and it fucking annoys the hell out of me. And then he's on last night, like I said, playing grab ass with Jericho. I just <laughs> I don't like that. I don't care. Jericho's a fucking joke in my in my book now. And he's gone the same direction. He was this bad heel, like big character, like biggest star in the show. And now he's doing stupid shit again. So I just I hated this. I did not like it at all. I. Right when it started doing the whole musical thing, I fucking fast-forwarded through the whole thing. I'm like, I don't need to see this. I thought they were doing Jericho and Hager in the tag team division. 
<laughs> they don't need to do that. I mean, after that great match with Serpentico and fucking Luther, <laughs> Luther. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't got a title match yet. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm sure it's coming. Uh, it's coming soon enough. But yeah, no, I think so. My issue wasn't really with the segment itself last night. I enjoyed it for what it was, but I completely agree with you as far as the consistency goes with MJF. It's all over the place. Like one week he's a badass heel, the next week he's doing comedy, and he can do the comedy stuff well, which is why I enjoyed that segment. The problem is that you know he was really taking Moxley to limit. Dude, didn't he like make him bleed on the Wednesday before the pay per view? Like, didn't he beat the fuck out of him or something like that? Like, he did, thought, yeah. He was like, oh man, a more of aggressive heel, and then he's doing a musical. Like, you know, I just again I enjoy it, but it's just all over the place, and that was just like a month ago. So, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the inconsistency with the MJF character. We'll see what they do with it, but I, I just feel like they don't really know what they're doing with any of these guys, and that includes Inner Circle. Like, Jericho, they don't know what to do with. MJF, they don't know what to do with, so they're just kind of putting them together, which is fine, but they, it, there just has to be more consistency, I think. Uh, so, finally, we had the Young Bucks become the number one contenders last night to the AEW World Tag Team titles, uh, beating the Dark Orders, John Silver and Alex Reynolds. I mean, come on, man. I enjoy John Silver, but, like, they should not have been in this spot. Private Party, and it looked like he kicked out of the last second. I thought maybe, okay, maybe Private Party did kick out, and they'll add them to the match. I don't think that's what they're going to do, but I, never mind. So they were in there, and then Butcher and Blade, I think, were the last team as well. So it was a good match, and I enjoyed it, but the thing with me, dude, is one, the match, this was fine. These teams should not have been in this spot. They have fucking power rankings. Like, I thought the gauntlet with the power ranking teams a couple of months ago was great. That made sense. This made no sense. It was a fucking bingo drawing to determine who was in the match. That's ridiculous. Second of all, the Young Bucks and FTR. It should be a great match. We've been waiting a long time for it. They've, they've taken their time with the build. I think that's great. The problem is who the fuck are we supposed to cheer for here? Because, like, it's supposed to be the Young Bucks, and I guess that's what they were supposed to be doing when they put sympathy on them by attacking them afterwards with Tully. I'm not even really sure why Tully was masked. Like, we already knew Tully was with them, so why was that a big reveal? But anyway, so they try to put sympathy on Matt, but these guys were fucking dicks for like a month and a half. So why would I want to see them get cheered? Why would I want to cheer these guys? Why would I want to see them win the tag team titles? I just feel like the dynamic is way off here in the match with FTR. As big as it is, doesn't feel as big as it should be. Yeah, I mean, the issue with this is that it's... I don't know why they did this. Like, MJF coming... Or not MJF. I'm sorry, I can't get over MJF still. I still keep bringing them up. But um, <laughs> right when they brought FTR in, like, they were like... They, not that they butchered it, but like they were kind of like tweeners, and they were they were feuding with Butcher and Blade and the Lucha Bros or heels. Then also they just turned. Then then they, they officially turn heel. It's like okay, but then once they officially turn heel, then the Young Bucks turn heel, which made no sense. It's just like why why are you turning both these teams heel now? Like okay, and I just like you said, any casual person the last three weeks they've just been super kicking random people. They're in pissy pissy moves all the time. It's like, why would you want to cheer for these people? And then FTR heals. So you're like, why, why would I technically cheer for them? Totally unmasking. It's like, dude, who cares? You've been, you guys have been useless as a manager. So, I mean, I guess they had to get him involved somehow, but it wasn't like this big reveal. They had to like, it was like DDP coming out to fucking raw in 2000. <laughs> really, for Christ's sakes. I mean, that sucked too, but at least it was a big deal. That happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, I, I think like you said, I think, I just don't think it's been as hot as they kind of teased it was going to be. I just, I like FTR, Young Bucks, 
not my cup of tea, but they're good in their own way, I guess. But I, I think this match should be a lot harder than it was. And like you said, there's no clear heel or baby face. And, I mean, I'll be cheering for FDR, but, I mean, I, th- I think they had a lot more a lot more buzz going into this when they first came to AEW, and now it's kind of petered off, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel like if they took their time with the Bucks getting a title shot, um, like by having them win more matches, like they beat Jurassic Express at All Out. Then you have them be another team, and then another team. They have to kind of work their way up. Being put in the number one contenders match because of a fucking drawing does not make them seem credible. Beating Private Party for the fifth time, beating the Dark Order signature losers, and the Butcher and the Blade, who they've already beaten as well, does not make them feel like they're worthy of a title shot. And then they're like they're out there beating, you know, being dicks to Tony Schiavone and being dicks to Alex Marvez and whatever. I, I don't know. I just it. I would say any other time, like, oh, put this in the main event. But I feel like it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it should be in the main event of that full gear pay-per-view. And even Moxley and Kingston, like, I'm looking forward to it, but, I mean, Kingston really hasn't been positioned as a real in-ring threat yet. So I don't think that should be the main event either. I don't know, I just feel like they're kind of in a weird spot right now. Full gear feels like it's coming up kind of quick, because they just had the anniversary show. So, it's, it's like the TakeOver thing, and TakeOver was great. Maybe full gear will be great, too. But I feel like they don't even really know what they're doing with this pay-per-view. Darby Allen, I mean, I know he beat Ricky Starks, but does rolling around in the body bag down a fucking skateboarding ramp to earn you a title shot? Like, they got to explain this stuff, you know what I mean? Like, and then what the fuck do you do with Sheeta? Where's the where's the women's division right now? Does Britt Baker get a title shot? Like, she won a match last night, and I think that'd be great, but I think they should build to that. I don't want to see it randomly added to the card. I just feel like it's a giant mess right now. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't do Moxley. I mean, like I like we talked about earlier, I technically never submitted. I mean, he fucking passed out, so I mean, didn't tap out or submit. Even went to sleep. So, any other form of like an MMA, it's not like you just get a rematch right away if someone puts you to sleep and you didn't tap out. I mean, you you lost. So mm-hmm. I understand that's what they're going with. But like you said, they've never made Eddie Kingston a threat at all. I mean, he, what he do? He's won a couple matches on Dark. Okay, who gives a shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I. I just, I don't know. I think probably the if it should probably be this. So I'm assuming if maybe if they have Paige and Omega in the finals, maybe they'll do that as the main event. I mean, I, I mean maybe I don't I don't know. Um, the women's division couldn't tell you last time I saw Sheet on TV, so um, not sure exactly what they're doing with that. Um, yeah, it just seems like a nightmare. Like you said, Darby Allen falling down a down a uh, ramp. And a body bag supposed to make me take him seriously. I just think he's a fucking idiot. But it's another another talk for another day. But yeah, it just seems like everything's like not that. When when is full gear anyways? Not next Saturday because next Saturday is Halloween. But the Saturday after that. Yeah. So like you not yeah. So yeah, I guess it is creeping up on us. Yeah. I mean, it like you said. I think that what where they had the anniversary show positioned. It just seems like everything's kind of clustered. It seems like a very quick turnaround. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think the show will be good. I, I, I can't be any worse than All Out was, so we'll see. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. But, uh, I mean, we're probably... Oh, 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 yeah. Well, also, we're getting, aren't we getting fucking Sammy and Matt in, like, an uh, ultimate deletion match or some stupidness? Yeah, so we're getting uh, an elite deletion match. That I'm actually looking forward to just because... Uh, oh. You know, it's a cinematic match. The other ones were entertaining. They were going to do it a while. They should have done it six months ago. It's a little late, but I'm looking forward to it, though. 
No, I'm out on this. This feud, I'm just done with. The Maori's are going to take time off. He's out next week fighting Sammy Guevara again. I'm just, I don't know. I just, I feel like Matt will win. It just, like, does nothing for Sammy. Like, no, cares? it doesn't. No, I feel like if it's at Matt Hardy's compound, then Matt's going to win. But Sammy already lost it all out, so it's kind of a weird situation, you know? Yeah, and then it makes the inner circle look like bigger losers than they already are. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird direction. Like, Lance Archer... I thought he had a lot of potential. He hasn't won anything big. Cage hasn't won a while. Like, they have a lot of people I feel like they were building up, and they've just all lost. It's, it's like, it's kind of like the Roman Reigns treatment. They build these people up just for Roman Reigns to beat them. Obviously, it's not Roman Reigns, but they're building these big monsters or these people up to be considered as stars, and they always lose. Mm-hmm. MJF. MJF won his bit, lost his big match. Lance Archer lost his big match. Cage lost his big match. Brody Lee lost his big match. Like... It just you go down the line. It's all these people that they built up to be, I don't know, if be, be stars the right way, but be put in that light, and they just all lost. So um, Eddie Kingston really hasn't even got to that level that he was even built up to even deserve us. So we'll see. I mean, I think after full year, I'm assuming their next pay per view. Well, they'll probably do like a special Dynamite edition. Won't be till Revolution, which is February. But um, I, not that I think they're lost. I just think they need to start ironing out some new things i like moxley i just i don't know i've kind of i've kind of over his title reign at this point as well so we'll see what happens but i don't want kingston to be the one to take the belt off him so we'll, we'll see what happens yeah i still think it's going to be kenny omega um i think yeah, kenny I, omega what'd you say i believe that as well i just yeah maybe they do like a new year show and or around the new year and omega beats him there i wouldn't wait to revolution at this point um yeah. but yeah that's that's what i would do no i agree i that, that could work that could work. I mean, it depends how hot the feud is, but I mean, that's four months away or yeah, closer to four months away. So it might be too long, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm interested to see what they do right now. It's kind of, they're kind of in a weird situation, but I I, I do have still, I still have faith in the company that they'll do the right thing. And they're a lot like NXT in that respect. I enjoy both companies a lot. They're doing good stuff right now. Even raw as much of a shit show as Monday was. I think it might be able to rebound and that's just the optimist in me, but there's a lot to talk about in the coming weeks here on WrestleRant Radio, including Hell in a Cell next week right here on the show. We're going to be reviewing the pay-per-view um, and then also talking Halloween Havoc. So there's going to be a lot to review right here on uh, WrestleRant Radio next week. Mr. Marceau, people can find you on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau, myself at WrestleRant. This has been great, Mr. Marceau. Any uh, closing thoughts as we ride off into the sunset? Nothing. Just have a good weekend, GSM. <laughs> you too, Mr. Marcel. I'll talk to you next week. One more time, guys, you can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Play. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode every single Thursday. Have a great one, guys. I'm Graham GSM Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. <laughs>